0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Mendocino Theatre Company's Reading on the Radio. I'm Laurie LaPaul. I'm Director of Youth Programs and Events for the Theatre. And one of our missions is to cultivate the participation, get as many young people as possible into the theatre. Not just acting, but behind the scenes, directing, costumes, tech, everything. And in tonight's showcase of young voices you will be hearing some of the most talented young people from our area they're presenting works of their own creation they are curious engaged and they are critical thinkers and their willingness to let us hear their words for me and for ken who is our wonderful sound design and tech person is truly inspiring so i hope you will find these pieces from our students to be funny poignant, thought-provoking. They are an example of what the future holds for the theater. And now, please enjoy Mendocino Theatre Company's presentation of Young Voices.
1: Hello, my name is Lillian. I'm a 12-year-old student at Three Rowers Charter School. I'm going to be playing Peril.
2: And I am Katan Sosnevec, I am 15, and attending the Mendocino Community High School, I will be playing a knight.
1: The knights were coming. They always did. Peril could hear them outside our cave right now. Horses snorting and stomping and the clanking of metal armor. herself to her talons, she lumbered out of her den. The sun caught itself from the rows of metal armor. A few knights were carrying purple banners brandishing the kingdom symbol. Feral loomed over their forces, her red scales catching the light like a giant walking ruby. A single knight atop a white horse rode out from the crowd. His voice was so tiny compared to the hulking beast of Peril that she had to strain to hear him.
2: Mighty dragon, we have come for your head. Surrender now.
1: Peril lowered her head so that she was nearly nose to nose with the night, smoke billowing from her nostrils. Knight, I have merely one question for you. Why me? Peril's neck shot back up in the sky and her talon rested on her chest. I mind my own business. I live on the top of a freaking mountain for Star's sake. Peril flopped down to her hindquarters, shaking the nearby trees. And then you come up here and attack me and call me a monster. For what? Defending myself? The knight was completely befuddled. He looked over his shoulder at the other soldiers, only to receive confused shrugs in response.
2: Uh, um, I'm sorry.
1: You should be, Peril roared. You think you know everything about me just because of the color of my scales.
2: Oh, we're dragon racist.
1: Go home. I'm going to go back to living my normal life over here. Peril turned in a flurry of red and orange as she stormed back into her cave, her fiery eyes lighting up the stalactites. She waited in silence as the night's left. Once they were gone, she picked her way back over to her treasure pile and back to her sleeping corner. She gingerly stepped over the bones of the last princess she kidnapped.
3: Alright, this is Frey Barty. I'm 15 and a sophomore at the Mendocino High School. And this is also a two-minute explanation of why making films matters to me. When I was a kid, I saw Star Wars. And The Lord of the Rings. And after I watch them, even now, I salute and I feel changed. It's not just because of the characters or the story, or even really because I understand how much work making it was. How every stormtrooper helmet and exploding ship had to be crafted with real care. No, what matters is that I am given hope. Vader runs through the corridor. Rebel bodies crashing to the ceiling, sword glowing, bisecting soldiers, bolts deflected. The ship door is closed, but for a few inches. They struggle to open it, but Williams' brilliant score predicts failure. The Rebel shoves the Death Star plans through the door with a dying hand, just as he is mortally pierced. He has delivered the plans that will save a galaxy. Samwise sits in the ruined city of Osgiliath, and all is dark and dim, for their quest is now in great peril. The wings of the Nazgul flap outside. It's like in the great, it's stories, like the great stories, he says. The, the ones, ones that really, really matter. Sam talks of the stories being dark, and that all was lost. How could the world go back to the way it was when so much bad had happened? But, says Sam... The stories turned. Happiness came back. Sam has figured out why these stories mattered. Folks in those stories, stories. they had lots of chances of of turning back. back Only they they didn't. They stand up, despite all of the sadness, and realize that there is yet good in the world worth fighting for. The craft in these films is, of course, amazing, every frame a picture worth printing. You can tell that the people who made this cared enough to get the details right, cared about the person watching, and cared about their craft. That is important, but what is most important is that I am given hope. I am given the strength to rise above my own struggles, no matter how grave or frivolous. That is why I want to make films. I want to give others hope so that they too can make our world better with their art. And I want to really care about the details. Not saying I'm going to achieve that, but that is the explanation. Thanks so much to the Mendocino Theatre Company and KCYX for getting this on air.
4: I will
5: take a chance to be
4: who I'm meant to be. Hi, I'm Pandalai. I am a 15 year old student at the Mendocino High School and I will be reading my piece, Not Old Enough. I will be playing myself because this is based off of a situation that happened in the restaurant I worked at.
1: I'm Lillian and I am 12. I currently go to TRCS charter school and I'm going to be reading for the customer.
2: I'm Katon Sosnivek. I am 15 and go to the Mendocino Community High School and I will be playing the boy.
4: The scene opens up inside of a Southeast Asian restaurant during the pandemic. The restaurant only does takeout. Customers are separated from workers by pexiglass, a wooden counter, and a sign that tells them to stay six feet apart from each other. A woman, early to middle age, orders for lunch from the cashier, a young Southeast Asian teenager. A boy, also Southeast Asian, sits next to the cashier behind the counter playing on his tablet.
1: Would you like anything else today? Oh no, that would be all. How much do I owe you?
4: Your total is 38 even.
1: Would you like to pay with cash or card? Card will do. Is that your son?
4: <laughs> My son? Cousin? I'm sorry.
1: Your brother? Um, he's the owner's son.
4: He and I are only two years apart, uh...
1: Here's a card
4: back, miss.
1: Thank you. I'll be back in about 15 minutes or so.
4: My son? I would have been two years old when I had you.
2: (laughs) Or cousin or brother.
4: I'm used to the cousin comments, but son? How old did you think I was?
2: Old enough to be my mom.
4: (laughs) Old enough to have a kid in middle school? Yeah, right. I don't look that old.
2: That customer thought so, mom. My name is Katan Sosnevek. I am 15 and attending Mendocino Community High School. I was stumped as to what to write until the idea for this came to me just as I was going to sleep and I had a lot of fun with it.
4: Hi, I'm Anahein Kun. I'm 15 and I attend the Mendocino High School. I will be playing the witch.
2: You're doing it wrong.
4: Silence!
2: You should scrape the sides of the cauldron, not stir the center.
4: And how do you know so much about alchemy?
2: Oh, we mushrooms know a lot about alchemical and natural magics. Never understood why you witches never just asked us.
4: And be like those wretched Athartian druids? I'd rather use my broomstick as firewood than stoop that low.
2: The druids of out have more powerful rituals than your caustic brew will ever be.
4: I said silence. I'm trying to concentrate.
2: I apologize. I'm being rude. Oh, I know why. It's because I'm about to be thrown into the bubbling cauldron of a lonely hag.
4: I'm not a hag. I'm a witch.
2: Forgive me, I never took the time to differentiate between all those that enjoy wearing pointy hats and having warts.
4: Why do I even listen to you? You're just a talking mushroom I picked up from an enchanted forest.
2: And you're a fictional witch from a radio production. A what? Forget it. This play is too short to discuss the implications of a fourth wall breaking mushroom.
4: You always drone on with your nonsensical ramblings. I'm beginning to doubt if this potion is worth it, considering I have to listen to one of your kind whenever I make it.
2: You know, I heard about another great place you could get ingredients from.
4: Who do you hear that from? Your mushroom girlfriend you keep in touch with through the mycelium network?
2: It's a wonderful apothecary in the kingdom of Old Bapanya. They have some of the best selection in the realm of Oldheim.
4: As if I'll go store-bought.
2: <clears throat> Fine. Clearly, I'm destined to end up in the cauldron of a lonely witch with no one to talk to but their own ingredients.
4: I'm not lonely. I've invited a good friend of mine to come over to my hut. They'll be here very soon. You'll get to meet them, in a sense. I'm gifting this potion I'm brewing up for them.
2: A good friend, you say, and what is this potion you're brewing up?
4: I don't know. That's why I'm giving it to someone else to try.
2: As I thought.
4: Silence. Mm
0: -hmm.
6: My name's Angelina Martinez. I'm 16 years old. I'm a junior at the Mendocino High School, and I love to write. What you're about to hear is a piece that I wrote by the name of Beautiful Chaos. Do enjoy. A child's many, but to itself, an insecticide. Poison, pushing buttons, analog, really. An anomaly amongst a herd of thousands. No tactic to ease, nothing to offer as a pardon. It was eaten alive. Nothing but fancy bones and a fancy carnivorous creature licking its lips. It was carnage. Years passed and the bones licked clean white from the sun's bleached smile. A constant reminiscing of the traumas endured. Like a stop-motion film. A cold German basement. A casket. A wooden box of feelings was kept spotless under the dining room floorboard, standing out, sitting down amongst a conglomerate of sentients outside a mangled church building. I see arsonists. I set the fires for them. We are the anarchy orchids sprouting from your garden. You can pull and pull and define and try and assume you know why. You act in such ways, but you haven't a clue. Bathe in sickness and wallow in your own manure Like it provides you nutrients A sycamore in disguise Why do you act? Why is it pretend? I see through the facade and all the shades And I see the tiny child Spraying itself with pesticides Shading itself in the sun Hold on to your breath, little one
4: My name is Panela and I go to Mendocino High School. A part of my English class is this class called Creative Writing. And each day we are given prompts to help us get into the writing mood. My friend Annabelle and I decided to collaborate and do a piece on ethical cannibalism. Now she got the piece against ethical cannibalism while I got the piece for ethical cannibalism. Now I promise I'm not going to eat anyone. This is just a little satirical tongue-in-cheek humor and it's titled... Who are you going to eat for dinner? (music) Ethical cannibalism is based on the foundation that the participants are all aware, informed and consenting. The consumer must be aware of what they are consuming and who. They must be made aware that the person that they are consuming has consented and is not forced into the situation. The one being consumed must be wanting to be consumed on their own free will. No one can force them into the situation. Both consumer and consumed must sign all the proper paperwork that protects both parties from legal issues. Afterwards, the consumed must be properly prepared for consumption. Just like cattle, the consumed must be properly fed and cared for. Similar to Wagyu beef, the human to be consumed must live what may be considered a lavish life. This is so that the guilt and the ethics of consuming said human may be water under the bridge. Humans debate on consuming veal, the meat of young calves. A part of ethical cannibalism is that the consumed must be of consenting age, 25 or older, financially stable, income of 100k annually, and have another party that will benefit from the money that the consumer will pay. In conclusion, who are you going to eat for dinner?
3: I'm in the middle of a camp. That way. See, if you, really
0: want to know... you have been listening to Mendocino Theatre Company and KZYX's presentation of Young Voices, which is part of the Mendocino Theatre Company's Readings on the Radio. And tonight we featured the writings and performances of Frey Bardi, Punalai Inkun, Angelino Martinez, Lillian Owens, and Katan Sosnevec. The actors were directed by Laurie LaPaul, and the sound design and recording was by Ken Krause. Now, as a special bonus for our reading on the radio listeners and as part of Mendocino Theatre Company's outreach to our community, we bring you more presentations from Mendocino Coast young people. These recordings were produced at Mendocino High School's Media Lab, home to KAZX 89.3 FM student-powered radio. These readings were an introductory assignment during the first two weeks of the school year in order to get students familiar with audio recording, editing, and music selection and arrangement. And now, please enjoy more Young Voices on the radio.
7: Hello listeners, this is Knut Kavinselin speaking. Today I will be reading you a poem and mixing it to a beat. The poem I will read to you is called Daddy, written by Sylvia Plath in 1962. This poem is about the loss of a loved one and the Holocaust. I hope you like it. You do not do, you do not do, anymore, black shoe, in which I lived, like a foot, for thirty years, poor and white. Barely daring to breathe or a chew Daddy, I have to kill you You died before I had time Marble heavy, a bag full of God Ghastly statue with one grave toe Big as Frisco seal And a head in the freakish Atlantic Where it pours being green over blue In the waters off a of beautiful Nasset I used to pray to recover you, Ash do In the German tongue, in the Polish town Scraped flat by the ruler of wars, wars, wars But the name of the town is common, my Polish friend Says there are a dozen of you So I never could tell where you Put your foot, your root I never could talk to you The tongue stuck in my jaw It stuck in a barbed wire snare Itch, 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 itch I could hardly speak I thought every German was you And the language obscene An engine, an engine Chuffing me off like a Jew, a Jew to Dachau, Auschwitz, Belsen. I began to talk like a Jew, I think I may well be a Jew. The snows of the Tyrol, the clear beer of Vienna, are not very pure or true. With my gypsy ancestress, and my weird luck, and my tarok pack, and my tarok pack, I may be a bit of a Jew. I have always been scared of you, with your wufafa, your gobbledygook, and your neat mustache in your Aryan eyes. Bright blue. Panzerman. Panzerman. Oh, you. Not God, but a swastika. So black, no sky could squeak through. Every woman adores a fascist. The boot in the face. The brute. Brute heart of a brute like you. You stand at the blackboard, daddy. In the picture I have of you. A cleft in your chin instead of your foot. But no less a devil for that. No, not any less the black man who bit my pretty red heart in two. I was ten when they buried you. At twenty I tried to die, and get back, back, back to you, I thought even the bones would do. But they pulled me out of the sack, and they stuck me together with glue. And then I knew what to do. I made a model of you, a man in black, with a mankopf, look, and the love of the rack and the screw. And I said I do, I do, so dad, I'm finally through. The black telephones off at the root, the voices just can't worm through. If I've killed one man, I've killed two, the vampire who said he was you, and drank my blood for a year. Seven years, if you want to know. Daddy, you can lie back now. There's a stake in your fat black heart, and the villagers never liked you. They're dancing and stamping on you. They always knew it was you. Daddy, Daddy, you bastard, I'm through. I hope you liked that wild ride of a poem, and maybe you felt a bit of empathy to Sylvia Plath while you learned her horrific story. I enjoyed this poem a lot when it compared something that Sylvia had to what her dad had. An example of this is when she comments that her father, quote, bit her pretty red heart in two, and then says later in the poem that, quote, there's a stake in your fat black heart. Another thing I appreciated from this poem is how in parts Sylvia Plath writes like you couldn't know if she's talking about her father or the Nazis. Thank you so much for listening to my read of Daddy. Have a great rest of your day.
8: Life is starting to feel a lot like doing laundry. I know that the routine is supposed to be a good thing, but I'm exhausted from the repetition. I wake up, my feet hit the floor, and I shove myself into my little daily tasks like I'm piling another load into the washing machine. Then I wait for the next redundant drawer, put the clothes in the dryer, fold the clothes, and put them in the drawer. All the while, something inside me is screaming, begging for something more. I know sometimes simplicity is a good thing, but lately, simplicity is suffocating me. Simplicity is feeling like wasting time turning my love for life inside out, emptying the spare change from my pockets, spinning me in circles and spitting me out like soggy socks onto the floor. I'm tired of washing, I'm tired of drying, I'm tired of folding, I'm tired of putting clothes into the drawer. Please tell me that life isn't laundry. Please tell me that life is something more. Thank you so much for listening to this poem about laundry. I hope it resonates with you as much as it did me. This is Ashton signing off.
9: This is Beau Breton, and today I'll be reading you a poem by Robert Frost. The poem is called Road Not Taken. I hope y'all like it. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both, and be one traveler long I stood and looked down as far as I could to where bent in the undergrowth. And took the other as just fair and having perhaps the better claim because it was grassy and wanted wear though as for that the passing there had worn them really about the same being equally lay in leaves no step had trodden black oh i kept the first for another day yet knowing how way leads on to way i doubted if i should ever come back I shall be telling this with a sigh somewhere ages and ages hence two roads diverged in a wood and I I took the one less traveled by and that has made all the difference that was the road not taken by Robert Frost this is Beau Breton, and I hope you enjoyed the poem I just read you I hope you guys have a great day or night or whatever time it is there. I'll see you all next time.
10: Hello, this is Georgia, and I will be presenting a poem that I have always loved by Dr. Seuss. I hope you enjoy it. Oh, where go, where will you choose? There are places to stand when you stand in your shoes. Some of the places are camboozled and bad. Those are the places that just make you sad. They don't dress all the way. They even blow smoke. They drink icky drinks that will just make you choke. But these are the places you'll know not to choose, or these are the places that will just make you lose. There are good places to stand, so decide with great care. When you find one that's holy, go and stand there. Standing alone can make you feel small, but when standing for truth, you'll stand tallest of all. Carry your values, they'll help you to know when you should stand and when you should go. Go find holy places, go find your way. Stand up and stand tall, and go stand there today.
11: hello my name is phoenix Ohm. today i will be reading you a poem called do not go gentle into that good night by dylan thomas do not go gentle into that good night old age should burn and rave at close of day rage rage against the dying of the light though wise men at their end no dark is right because their words forked in a lightning they do not go gentle into that good night good men the last wave by crying how bright Their frail deeds might have danced in a green bay, Rage rage against the dying of the light. Wild men who caught and sang the sun in flight, And learned too late they grieved it on its way, Do not go gentle into that good night. Grave men near death, who see with blinding sight, Blind eyes could blaze like meteors and be gay, Rage rage against the dying of the light. And you, my father, there on that sad height, Curse, bless me now with your fierce tears, I pray. Do not go gentle into that good night. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. That was Do Not Go Gentle Into That Good Night by Dylan Thomas. Thank you for listening.
5: Oranges by Gary Soto, read by Nia Bolton. The first time I walked with a girl, I was twelve, cold and weighted down, with two oranges in my jacket, December, frost cracking beneath my steps, my breath before me, then gone. As I walked toward her house, the one whose porch light burned yellow, night and day in any weather, a dog barked at me, until she came out, pulling at her gloves, face bright with rogue. I smiled, touched her shoulder and led her down the street, across a used car lot and a line of newly planted trees. Until we were breathing before a drugstore. We entered, the tiny belt bringing a sales lady down a narrow aisle of goods. I turned to the candies, tiered like bleachers, and asked what she wanted. Light in her eyes, a smile starting at the corners of her mouth, I fingered a nickel in my pocket, and when she lifted a chocolate that cost a dime, I didn't say anything. I took the nickel from my pocket, then an orange, and set them quietly on the counter. When I looked up, the lady's eyes met mine and held them, knowing very well what it was all about. Outside. A few cars hissing past, fog hanging like old coats between the trees. I took my girl's hand in mine for two blocks, then released it to let her unwrap the chocolate. I peeled my orange that was so bright against the gray of December, that from a distance, someone might have thought I was making fire in my hand.
0: In this hour, you have been first listening to Mendocino Theatre Company's readings on the radio with young voices from our coastal community. Later, you've heard student presentations from Mendocino High School's Media Lab. The Mendocino High School students you heard were Knut Kvinsland, Ashlyn McElroy, Beau Breton, Georgia McClure, Phoenix Ohm, and Naya Bolton. Thanks to student-powered radio KAKX 89.3, for bringing us these wonderful readings. If you would like to know more about the Mendocino Theatre Company's youth programming, you can email me at education at mendocinotheatre.org. Again, that's education at mendocinotheatre.org or call the office, which is 707-937-2718. For information and ticketing about upcoming shows, please call our box office at 707-937-4477 or go to our website. Again, that's www.Mendocinotheater.org. I hope you've enjoyed our program. This is Laurie. And Ken. Thank Thank you you for listening. listening.